2: Well, hello. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Christy Skills, Aisha Morrison, Jess Navarro are here with you on this Tuesday. We're Tuesday or are we Wednesday, guys? We're Tuesday. 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 Tuesday afternoon. Had a little bit of a moment there. Uh, here at the beautiful, beautiful star in Frisco, where it is hot outside. Guys, it says it's 93. It does not feel like it's 93 outside. I don't know if you've been outside it's officially fall allegedly I don't I don't know the yeah. only thing feeling fall like is uh the football season is here uh but other than that we are going to discuss we left off yesterday what the coordinators and head coach Mike McCarthy were going to say uh post loss to the Arizona Cardinals we're going to break that down for one last day before we officially turn the page here on the podcast and we start looking into the week four matchup against the Patriots a lot to talk about so let's start with the offense mm. Aisha yesterday you had a fantastic question to mike mccarthy which went noted on twitter and i'm glad it did because it was very insightful um and it just shows you always have football smarts so hello uh to anybody that didn't notice that let's talk about that because you asked him specifically about the tight end group and a big conversation this week is red zone lack of production and not capitalizing when you're in the red zone when the cowboys in the red zone they can't find the end zone so How do the tight ends tie into that, Aisha? What have you noticed? You went back, you watched the film, and you have key points that can help this team excel in what they need to work on. What are they? So
3: uh, my question was, you know, Coach, there's, you know, in the West Coast system, the vertical threat is important. um, Just because of how you're using so much of the intermediate and short field yardage to just move down the field. You're trying to, you know, control the clock, do all that good stuff. But, you know, having the vertical threat really, to me, it opens up so much of what you want to do because defenses right now, they're playing tight. Mm -hmm. They're betting on the fact that you're going to do short passes and stuff. So he mentioned the word, you know, he said they were playing shell defense. And so I was like, when you think of shell, you think of two high safeties, you know, kind of soft coverage or whatever. But – and doing some digging and learning like shell can mean a number of things so he also went on to talk about quarters and say that they were playing quarters defense and the the purpose of quarters defense is to take away deep shots what happens is, is that you have two safeties that have a quarter of the field I kind of think about it like a like a square. Like, you know, <laughs> you know like, yeah. you know, so you have head they head. have a quarter of the defense the safety does and then they have their responsibility is there's deep they have a deep zone responsibility. So, and then the corners the corners have the flat to the zone aerial and area and then the linebackers cover like the curl flat area. So, I the the purpose of that is to take away the middle of the field and so I've been looking at like why aren't we really attacking the middle of the field consistently with um with a lot of teams playing cover four which is 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 like it's only one person out there so my point was was you know what, schematically, can you do to kind of beat that, and what are the things you can do to beat that? And you can get behind the linebackers, which we've seen. We saw it last week with C.D. Lamb with the uh, the flant slap, which is you're just letting him slip behind those linebackers that are kind of playing shallow, and um, you know he's going to make the p- the play. And that's also why you saw Michael Gallup be so effective this week with slants because it's there. But my concern again is the fact that defenses are playing you so tight and they're playing so close to the line of scrimmage and they're aggressive they're biting on stuff and everything because they're betting on you not passing the ball deep so that's something that I'm looking for them to establish to kind of get these guys off their back and to you know to get some respect there and so I mean and again we thought that you know Brandon Cooks would be that guy we thought that that would be something that they can do so really curious to see how they scheme that up and how things open up there. um Christy, you got yeah,
4: well, because when you're talking about like using the tight ends, I think that uh, a lot of longtime Cowboy fans, they picture Jason Witten on that seam route. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. down on the seam. But again, it's how they're playing mm-hmm. the coverage quarters and things. So you, you don't want to force it. And so there's a thing. There's the old uh, tried but true. You know, you take what the defense gives you. Well, it's like, well, why are you taking what the defense gives you? You need to assert. You know, you you be the dominant and, you know, you give it to them. Well, no. I mean, the coverage dictates where the ball is going to go, period. Otherwise, you're forcing it in and you don't want to do that. And the other thing where you're you're talking about with the way that some of these defenses are playing and when the linebackers drop, yes, I think that a lot of times when, when we think um, – that uh, you really have to have this um, precision passing and fitting the ball in there. You're thinking of a slant route, or you're thinking of some out route, and the, the quarterback puts the ball right there because mm-hmm. there's a defensive back uh, mm-hmm. draped all over the guy. No, it's oftentimes it's touch. It's putting it over the linebacker, but in front. And so those those are difficult throws. And you got to be just right, because if you're a little short or if that, that linebacker doesn't bite on the play action, you know, the fake handoff and react and, and you know, just that quarter second of them, you know, delaying their drop into mm. coverage, it's it's all interconnected. And so you, you really, everybody has to play their part, whether you're the running back acting like you're taking the handoff, or you really got to sell that so it goes to what we've been talking about and what the coaches and players have been talking about since early in the off season, knowing your why your purpose, purpose. Yes, what I is am. your what is your why yep, on this play, this play? Yeah.
2: yeah and to be fair i think in this game specifically nobody knew what their why was I, it it, it it leaked all over the place, right? Nobody knew, nobody knew how to once they were in that deficit, how to how to bounce back quickly. And that's okay because here's the thing. I don't see that being an issue this week. They're going to hone in on that red zone play this week at practice. Mike McCarthy said that yesterday, and I don't necessarily think they lost track of like their their whole why. It was just look, Arizona's defense was outsmarting them in a lot of ways and that's just kind of what it came down to as far as the red zone though I think this is an interesting topic because we talked about this throughout the summer we talked about this after Zeke was released of who is the big red zone guy for the Cowboys now because it was Zeke right and when Zeke was leading in red zone percentage uh, scoring percentage for the Cowboys, he was second. He had the second most amount of touchdowns rushing touchdowns in the NFL last year. That's a big loss, right? And so, yes, the Cowboys are getting to the red zone, and I think that can't be overlooked either. Is that's the hard part. Schottenheimer said that yesterday. The hardest part is getting there to the red zone. It's just continuing to get into the end zone that's the issue.
3: Yeah, and I mean, another thing that you're seeing in the red zone um is you had the three red zone penalties that were huge, but these and that's that's a big part of it is that those penalties are putting them in unfavorable situations when they're in second and goal but it's at the 15 or second or third and goal and you're at the 10 or something like you're they really I'm really looking for them to get closer to the goal line and I think that's going to open up your playbook a whole bunch Schottenheimer talked about that as well Um, the usage of the whole field too is something Mm -hmm. that I've been looking at because when you talk about again when you start talking about them playing quarters and stuff is that it takes away you know well middle of the field opened it takes away part of the field but it's like the offense is taking it away on their own and 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 so also too so you look there's opportunities to attack the left side of the field but it's not there but anyway back into the, the red zone stuff getting backed up is hurting them um and staying ahead of the sticks, you know Brian Schottenheimer mentioned that. Well, he mentioned that as well. But I want to say that Arizona, you mentioned it. They were very disciplined.
4: They they, they played very, really well. They
3: were so this disciplined was the down Super Bowl. there. <laughs> Stop saying that
2: they, about them. They poured Gatorade. That's fair. Come well, on. It was
4: his. It was his first victory as a head coach. That's so, so that's why you're they did it. The
2: Dallas Cowboys. Sh- sure. If you want to make a statement that you're not ranked 32 among 32 NFL teams. This was the team to beat. That's fair. This, It wouldn't have mattered, right? Because now they can go on. They can lose to the 49ers and be like, well, we are yeah. going to beat the Cowboys. You want, you want
4: them to beat the 49ers because uh, if things go to form, a mm-hmm. lot of people think uh, if— Preseason predictions are correct. Cowboys, Eagles, and 49ers, a lot of people think, are the tops of the the NFC. But one other thing that Schottenheimer said about the red zone offense is that a big part of it is scrambles. Now, we did see uh, Dak on Sunday in – Arizona, he had the big play, and that, that was not in the red zone, but it was third and 12, mm-hmm. and then he broke the pocket, and what a great play by him, great effort and execution. I believe he got 14 yards on that to get a first down to continue that drive going down. Later, they did stall um, in the red zone, but uh, Schottenheimer mentioned that yesterday uh, as offensive coordinator during his press conference that yeah we got we got to remember mm. you know everyone hey that that's a big part of it and you know we say that Dak hasn't run as much as he did earlier in his career before he broke the ankle obviously but uh, wouldn't be surprised to see you know have him maybe do some more keepers.
2: I was going to ask you do you feel like because even after the game Dak took accountability to say I need to use my legs more. I need, I need to be a, more, a little bit more mobile. Is that something you're going to you expect to see out of Dak? Is to be a little more mobile specifically in the red zone? Maybe not so much. You know, when when they're trying to drive up to it, do you see him yeah. being a little more mobile? Or I don't. I don't think you do it for this. Is? I don't
4: think you do it for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put your yeah. franchise guy at at risk like that but um but there are some perfect times and and again it depends on matchups and what you're seeing from the defense but sometimes these quarterback draws or these designed keepers you know most of the time when the when the quarterbacks are are running unless you're Jalen Hurts it's you know it's it's because something is broken down the defense is in a zone they're not looking back and so you know that's when you see them break down the field and get um get some yards and either out of bounds or or slide for a first down so but i don't think you do it just to do it you know fair.
3: there's yeah. some rpo situations there though in this game that were designed where he there was a play where he um he actually gave the ball to tony but if mm-hmm. he hadn't have given it to tony he mm-hmm. was he might have had a bit of a collision at the goal line with mm-hmm. with the safety but at the, well, the D V but at the same time he would have he probably would have scored a touchdown i will say i actually had in my notes about the scrambling portion of it that's something that i've been noticing from the team um, I noticed a little bit last year, even so, is Dak is one of the best quarterbacks on the move making something happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it, it's something that I'm a little um, down about with, with, with the receivers is like, you got to know your quarterback. And your quarterback is, is a guy that, again, he can be rolling to his left, he can be rolling to his right, and he can throw it on a dime. So the scramble drills are something that I hope that they're working because there are plenty of times in this game... Where well, they were scrambling, and there was just no constant pursuit. I think Michael Gallup does a good job of that, where mm-hmm. he's can, he's still working, trying to work the sideline and stuff. But know your quarterback, know what he's capable of, and fight for him. Um, also, too, with the C.D. Lamb thing in the the red zone, I mm. they came with a blitz, um, and I think that that's kind of what threw off things. Because you remember yesterday, I I was under the impression that he was supposed to rub there and and maybe you know help out there, but it looks like there was a corner route there. And Dak just, once that blitz came, it's we talked about it, timing, and how mm-hmm. quick they have to be down there. Mm-hmm. The minute that that blitz came, that play was gone. That play was gone. And so it's, it's something that I'm, the spacing, too, was just kind of funky. They just, I don't know, they just were inefficient down there. But a lot of it, in fairness, give it to the Cardinals. They tried yep. to fool them a couple times with some things. Even with the RPO stuff, they were not buying it. And uh, this offensive line struggled blocking wise once they got down there they were very stout and the dbs came down and tackled and they were and they were very physical for the cardinals so give them credit but just a lot of errors down there and um, yeah
4: there's no margin for error when you're down there like that adoga penalty really was painful but you can't shoot yourself in the foot when you're down there because the the space is so compressed it's hard enough already yes ma'am
2: yeah and Mm and I mean, it was a question posed for Dan Quinn yesterday in the press conference when I asked him about the penalties. But he made a really good point in saying, the you know, sometimes the penalties are drawn from them being aggressive. And right. he said, I can live with those ones. However, it's the pre-snap penalties. And I think that's fair to say for the offense, too. Is Absolutely. When you're trying to push that aggression level and you're trying to make it dominant and protect your quarterback more sure. than anything else, sure, those are penalties that I think we can all live with. It was just, again, the pre-snap penalties, which... Very uncharacteristic considering last year that was something that they've really worked on, especially with the cadence drills and they zoned in on. So if I'm being honest, I really don't think you see a penalty heavy game like this
4: for well, the Cowboys. Again. Well you hope not. The the other thing is when you have a different center in there, who by yeah, the way, did that. not get to practice, he got a little bit towards the end of Thursday's practice, yeah. didn't get to take first team reps. Tyler Biotis, the starting center. Wasn't injured until Thursday's practice, so it's not like Brock Hoffman, who had to step in, elevated from the practice squad Saturday. I mean, he, they they knew by Thursday with Tyler getting hurt that it was likely that Hoffman would would have to play, mm-hmm. but it's just different. So yeah. that that first uh, false start penalty that's called on Terrence Steele that that was just all, all four line, everybody yeah. moved except the ball. And so <laughs> right. it was, it was just that little bit of timing, uh, that, that was off. So I'm not putting it on Brock Hoffman no. at all. I'm it's just saying true. that time on task, right. And and these injuries that have happened, Tyron Smith not yes. being injured with the knee until Saturday, yes. Chuma Adoga, yeah. by the way, with an elbow yeah. injury that he was nursing from the previous week. So, you know, the, it, it's tough enough in the regular season to just get enough snaps for your first teamers. But when you have these moving parts and guys are getting moved around and and you just don't get to work together, an offensive line is the one that requires the most cohesion. So we haven't seen the group together yet. And I am yeah. glad
3: that, he had, that Mike McCarthy, loved, this is one thing I like about him as a coach, is he's not afraid to say, like, yeah, I could have I could have done that there. He admitted, you know, even the yeah. seven-step drops, not, you know, not really taking any chances with the deep ball. But um yeah, this this I re- I, and that's why I'm trying to stay level-headed about it because I know I know that people are just like you should be able to overcome everything, but losing three starting offensive linemen Probably drastically changes your game plan and and what you do like
4: before. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and say say again, like in in case you weren't with us yesterday on Girls Talk Boys Talk, Mike McCarthy in his pregame interview with Brad Sham on Cowboys Radio says, "I'm still going. I was still going through things Mm -hmm. this morning, Sunday morning, and we're just a few hours from kickoff." But I I want what Aisha that little nugget that she dropped, and this was from McCarthy's press conference yesterday, not doing seven step drops. What does that mean? Well, with a quarterback, you have either a three-step, three-step drop, a five-step drop, a seven-step, seven-step uh, drop. Well, obviously, it takes longer to go back seven steps than it does three or five, and that's generally the plays that are further down the field. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have young guys on the offensive line, and you know you you want to, you, you're not a hundred percent sure about your press protection as if you had some of your veterans in there. That's one reason why they weren't going deep was they weren't doing some of the deeper drops and setting things up for, yeah. for longer. So there's a reason. Why were the tight ends not as involved? They're in to help, pass protect, and also help <laughs> mm-hmm. in the run game. And you saw it in the run game. The numbers were good yep. in the run game. So it's cause and effect, you know. And, yeah. and, and what you did against the Giants and what you did against the Jets – Sorry, that's off the table. It's a completely different matchup uh, against the Cardinals' defense.
2: Very good point and a good way to transition to our next segment. When we uh, come back from our next break, we're going to talk about the run game. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the running back situation, and then we'll transition into defense. So make sure to stay tuned. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We will be right back.
1: Hmm.
2: Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are getting into the run game, a little bit of defense as well. But first, your Dallas Cowboys head to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers in Week 5 of the 2023 season. Come out to the Miller Lighthouse at AT&T Stadium on October 8th for a free watch party presented by 7-Eleven. Cheer on the boys alongside the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Rowdy while enjoying $5 Miller Lights, barbecue, game day fare, and more. Gates open at 6 o'clock p.m. and kickoff is at 7-20 for more information and to claim your free ticket. Free, free, free ticket. Head to uh watch watchparty Go Cowboys. There we go. Thank was, you
4: for the emphasis on that. I was really there really passionate
2: about the whole free thing. You guys know how I feel about that. We sent it. Yeah, you know. Um uh, something I'm really passionate about as well. This run game. Oh, I'm wearing a shirt that says "Run the ball today." I don't know if you've noticed that. I didn't know what you was run the say. ball. I mean, I could have said Taylor Swift, but I did not. I switched gears. I said the run game. You know, going into this game, um, my what I what I like that Mike McCarthy dropped a few weeks ago was he said going into Week Five, Week Four, even you start to see the teams develop across the NFL. It's not just specific to the Dallas Cowboys. You can even leak into Week Six at that point. You're getting to that point now where the identities are starting to be formed with the teams, kind of what they're leaning a little more heavy on, if it's the run game, the pass game, that obviously is opened up by the run game. This team, in a new era, Tony Pollard era, backed by Rico Dowdle, and then you now have Deuce Vaughn entered the chat, Hunter Lipke entered the chat. This run game, very interesting. Something that was brought up, to coach mccarthy yesterday was to preserve tony pollard for the rest of the season how do you do that going into practice because he's taking a majority of these reps how do you preserve him to ensure that by week 17 he's still just as effective as he is now going into week four mike said they're very aware of it they know and that his practices will be adjusted to reflect preserving his body which we appreciate Ladies, let's go into this. Let's go into... Let's start with how Rico Dowdle is filling in that second position. What we've seen from him so far and how he can be more effective if given the opportunity to get a little bit more of the ball distribution. Well,
4: he's always been a tough runner. The coaches have always loved Rico Dowdle. See? It's just the injuries that, that caught him the first few years here in Dallas. And it was noted by Coach McCarthy yesterday about the tough running, not just Rico, but Tony, and even uh, Jake Ferguson slipping a couple of tackles, C.D. Yeah. Lamb. Coach McCarthy said uh, – He said twenty eight or twenty nine. We'll go with twenty nine because it sounds better. uh, uh, (laughs) Broken tackles. So that was some tougher. And let me tell you, from field level, (laughs) these and hey, same thing goes for James Connor with the the Cardinals offense. These were hard earned yards. Okay, Mm. there was some hitting going on, and so but the ability uh, to take a one yard run or a zero yard run, and yet still go past that first contact or even second contact not all great runs go for 15 20 plus yards some of the better runs are ones where you get three or four off of something that should be 0 or minus 1 and it was some tough 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 sledding but um Rico and, and Tony I, it, I mean, if we had said, "Oh, you're going to have a, 180 rushing yards in the game for the Cowboys," you'd <laughs> say, "Oh yeah, sign me up for that every day." And but I was happy for Rico, just like we said yesterday, for him to get his first career touchdown. Ironically, it came on a pass instead of a run. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's uh, uh, showing his value to uh, the team this year.
3: Yeah, I agree. I um, I like the usage of Rico Dattle to start. I, the screen game has been so effective um, to start the season, and I think that that's important. Rico Daddles gotten after it with it. Um, Tony's gotten after it with it. Uh, Deuce Vaughn has gotten after it with it. But I really I have noticed that Rico does come in in that fourth quarter, and he's he's bruising. Like I'm sure that he's exhausting for some of those those defenders that have been dealing with kind of chasing Tony <laughs> and trying to deal with his speed. But um, I, I I like the one-two punch right now. I will say that with Tony Pollard, I think he ran – we talked about it, He did. He ran effectively through mm-hmm. the tackles. He had some physical play. Miss would love to see some more receiver Tony and using him still as a – even though he is a running back and he's your number one running back, it would be nice to see him um, do some of that wheel route stuff that we've yeah. seen him do, come mm-hmm. out the backfield yeah. as a passer because – that's also going to help with what we were just talking about with these DBs playing up so close and, and and how they're acting. This is gonna that can open up some things too, also for you in the passing game. So I was looking at that. Like love how they've been using Tony. It's been effective. He's been effective. Rico's been effective. Um, it's just again when you get in that red area, things get a lot tighter, and then you're having the penalties as well. So. Um, loved how they used Hunter Lipke this week yes. too yep. he's yeah. doing some lead blocking stuff and he's he's becoming far more and more effective every week as a as a blocker and them am using him as a fullback got him in some passing situations yeah. so the usage of the running backs all in all to answer your question I think has been um creative it's been and it seems balanced right now besides the fact I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Rico
2: yeah, I don't well, think anybody would.
3: Well, with the usage you cuz just to your point what you were saying about
4: how you know how much Tony has gotten the ball these past couple of weeks. He ended up with 26 touches on Sunday if you combine the rushing and receiving it was, and that's 32 the week before. Yeah. That's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. for for a guy who in his career, you know, shared the the load with uh, Zeke coming into this year. And so uh, I think it's going to be interesting because even when we were talking about linemen and giving these young linemen more practice time during the, the week, I, I, I think that, that Tony's going to be pulled back, I think, some of these practices, these Wednesday yep. and some of these Thursday practices, just to kind of make sure that, you know, they, that's why they have those trackers, the GPS mm-hmm. stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if the threshold is maybe down a little bit because you don't yeah. want to use Tony up. We're only three games in.
2: Yeah, and you need him. You yeah. need him all. Yeah, season. And, and and that's why
4: it's so great that that Rico is is showing his value.
2: <laughs> I'm so excited for Rico. I've oh man, he's a he's a good dude. I'm a good so human. Good excited dude. for Rico. He he's a nice. Family. Oh, he's so he's so great, and he's such a quiet guy, but his explosiveness speaks for itself. I mean, I started talking to Rico more this off season after I want to say it was OTAs. I saw him, and I was like. Oh wow! Just we hadn't seen Rico in so long, and that was my first time seeing him in person. um, You know, at a practice capacity like that, and he just instantly stood out to me mini camp OTAs. So I went and I introduced myself and I talked to him, and I just told him, "You look really good," you know. And he, you know, started talking to me a little bit more and more every week because he uh, doesn't open up right away. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of a quiet he's guy. He's kind of closed off. And he was on IR last yeah. year. So
4: people aren't, you know, they're yeah. not bothering him he was, for his time. He was a little know?
2: weirded out. He's like, why is she talking to me? And <laughs> so we started talking more and more. And then um, there was an event here in Dallas called SportsCon, and he appeared there and he was doing, um, he was doing pictures, autographs with fans. And then he did some stuff on media row. And that's when I caught up with him. I was walking around with him. I was talking to him and um that was really when we clicked because he had told me how he spent his his weeks off his six weeks off it was after rookie minicamp OTAs um that that part of the season and then he told me he went on a cruise uh with his family and he said I didn't realize I was afraid of water until that cruise (laughs) I'm like that's kind of the wrong time to figure that out man um so ever since then I I go check on him in the locker room see how he's doing see how he's feeling and it was funny because uh, I want to say it was after the Giants game, I told him, when's your touchdown coming? He said, hopefully soon. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be waiting for it. I'll be right here to talk to you when it happens. So in the following week, told him the same thing. And so this week, I'm very excited to go in the locker room and be like, look, I'm not saying I predicted this. <laughs> um, but he's he is such a hard worker. I, I, he's, he was overlooked for so long for how hard he works. Yes, injury has overshadowed his productivity during his time here, but he's doing everything in his power. To stay healthy and and he has talked about that with me multiple times he's changed how he eats he changes how he uh handles post-workouts and post-practice and how he's taking care of his body so oh that is my rico soapbox uh for the day um but christy i wanted to talk to you about something because i'm looking back at the play log or the playlist from yesterday or oh my goodness from sunday and there's 458 left in the game this is Cowboys the Cowboys offense last drive essentially last chance to uh, get the points on the board there was uh let's see one run Tony Pollard up the middle for five yards no huddle by the way and then they go no huddle again Tony Puddle Tony Pollard up the middle for six yards and then you're on the Arizona five at this point shotgun Tony Pollard up the middle um negative two yards and then again Tony Pollard left tackle Uh, tackled by Arizona for one yard at that point you're on the Arizona six and then the interception happens in the end zone as uh, Dak tries to make a pass to Brandon Cooks what do you think of the play calling there to run the ball (laughs) with four (laughs) minutes left in potentially what you know could be your last shot
4: I think everyone from the sideline up in the Cowboys radio booth everybody watching on TV all the Cowboy fans at state farts state farm stadium why are you running the ball the clock is running well mike mccarthy when asked about it yesterday Grisha, he admits i should have been more aggressive there so you know hey that he felt like with the timeouts that he had that they'd be able to get the ball in and then still have time to you know get done what they need to do but uh in hindsight Mike agrees. You know, should have been more aggressive. Should they have thrown on the second down or the third down play? Well, of course, everything's in is twenty twenty in hindsight. But coaches don't always admit that. But but Mike Mike did yesterday.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was running the ball because they was giving him. It it goes
4: back to what we said. They're giving it to you. You know, to you.
3: And and honestly, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of it too, but. They had time. Mhm. Uh-huh. There was time. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. not a wrong answer. When they made the pa- when they made answer. the pass to the to the end zone, at that point they did have enough time if they wanted to go for two or whatever if they had scored. So Yeah, at that point there was 3 or 305 left when the pass was made. So I wasn't personally I wasn't mad. I wasn't super upset about it. And especially given just how aggressive their DBs had been playing and biting on everything and yeah. stuff. I was like all oh, that that makes sense. I mean, uh, you got to go fast, but it makes sense. Uh, but
2: but yeah. it wasn't.
3: I mean, yeah, we can be critical of it. Yeah, like you would have wanted him to pass there or whatever. I just I don't want them to be scared. Sk- 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 I, like yeah, yeah, I also it, feel like yeah, but I also feel like in
2: a normal situation to where maybe if the defense was playing like you know they're capable of playing like they played the first two games of the season. This obviously not their best showing. Hmm. You don't want Arizona to have the ball for a long period of time, too, at that point, knowing kind of where things were with the defense yeah. throughout the rest of the game. So I can understand it from that perspective of you run the ball to kind of kill time because you don't want the Cardinals to have the I ball back. Always, it was time. a
4: two-possession game, so you <sighs> needed to score, as you know, I hopefully mean, as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. If but, it, the thing but, about
2: it, though, it's one of those things, if it worked, It would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about it if it worked. Yeah. Um,
4: Ernie Zampese, the great play caller for (laughs) one of the greatest in NFL history and spent time in the 90s, you know, winning Super Bowls as the coordinator for the Cowboys. And Ernie always says, you know how you define a good play call? It works.
2: um, There you go. Period well let's take our next break when we talk back we're gonna when we come back we are going to talk about uh the cowboys defense a little bit before we officially turn the page from this loss and move on to all things week four stay tuned this is girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys we'll be right back
1: at jigsaw dating we obviously want the cowboys to bring that sixth ring home but to be honest we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger
2: to our final segment of girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys do you eat sleep and breathe dallas cowboys football well tell us about it tell (laughs) us how you spice up the game for a chance to be named the 2023 cowboys fan of the year presented by captain morgan and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to super bowl 58 nominate yourself or another today at dallascowboyscom slash fan of the year okay Let's talk a little bit of defense before uh, we officially close the books on this loss that I think everybody is ready to just kind of turn the page on uh, this week. Aisha, mm. you went <laughs> you, <laughs> Oh, my gosh, I love you. You went back. You watched things. Biggest takeaway uh, from the Cowboys defense. Obviously run defense. We know. We've talked about that. We understand that that was an issue. But again, a very uncharacteristic game. And I think that is the word that describes it the best by them. What what did you get out of it?
3: They just they just got to play sound football. Like it sounds really simple, but there were just so many guys like doing other people's jobs and not filling gaps like they didn't tackle super well. And um, I just think, uh, like I said, J. Ron Curse said it last. He said it. Uh, in his post-game interview he said their will was stronger than ours and in a lot of instances it was like that they were not the more physical team on that side of the ball and that they it just never came to fruition for them I will say that in the second half there did seem like there were some adjustments made they came out there they got the stop at first of the third quarter then to Turpin has that big return and he gets called back but they, I mean, I think Arizona sc- scored on that big play, and that was it for them in that in that half. So they buckled down and they played better ball. But there were times that they, there were times that they did play straight up, and they looked like the better team. But it just was, I don't know, man. It was just, it was, it was weird. You had guys like Jaron Curse like getting turned around, and and it just, yeah. I it just never felt like. They, they, it just never felt like they were they were mentally in it and I just never I don't know if I've ever seen them play um, that undisciplined in that way yeah. as far as their assignments so I think they'll pick it up turn around um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they'll pick it up. Oh, I, yeah. I think After they'll pick it Dan up. Quinn, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan Quinn used his, his verbiage yesterday really spoke to, I know, me and Jess, he said it hurt him. Yeah. You know, just yeah. how things came to fruition. And But I do want to say that I, I do believe, and it just is what it is, and I know that everyone's like next man up. Dan Quinn alluded to this and everything. I do think that emotionally they were that th- there was a rough emotional week for these guys, especially at the end of the week. So we'll see give them some time let them let them regroup and go out there and play you know play their ball play the play ball the way they're supposed to cuz this this wasn't this wasn't it yeah and i love what dan quinn said and it goes to what you
4: said this wasn't characteristic of the cowboys and like you say that's what really hurt him he he said what really hit me like five fingers across the face was you guys didn't look like your defense Right. They weren't playing fast. They, um, you know, and, and he also noted will grow from this. I have no doubt at all. But he said it was misfitting. They they weren't in their fits. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the before you can make that. You got to be in the right place. Yes, ma'am. You got to you got to be in the gap. Right. You got to handle the backside if they And so if you're not alignment assignment, if, if you're not if you're not in your fits, then. Not only are you not going to make the play, but they're going to they're going to get through and and into the you know uh, second part and and then through your uh, defensive backfield. Yes, so, um, yeah. And he also said what really hurt us was the five big runs that he says mm-hmm. uh, the explosives in the first half. They weren't due to physicality; they were due to job assignments, yes. not in your fit, not. In the gap, right? Not doing uh, your job. And the the one other thing I want to say is because on that one long pass play to Wilson, I believe it was, and we saw Malik Hooker chasing and stuff, and, and so Wilson was on like in the left slot, gets the release, no one carries him. He ends up getting uh, making the catch across the field, left to right, and uh, Malik Hooker chases him down and saves the touchdown. But huge play, and he said that that was not Hooker. It was good for Malik Hooker just to even catch him to make the the um, tackle to, to save the touchdown. But just because it's the guy that's chasing to make it doesn't mean that that was his guy. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So he, you know, he's not going to call out what specifically happened on the play. But I know a lot of us assume, oh, Malik.
2: Not. That wasn't even his guy. Yes. I also liked. Yeah, yeah, it
4: was a lack of communication. You're man. exactly right.
2: And I also liked that um, Dan was quick to mention that the Cowboys only missed six tackles during mm-hmm. this game, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a bad tackling game. It just wasn't their best game if, if you're for not a lot of reasons.
4: If you're not in your fit to make the tackle,
2: yeah, you can't.
4: Yeah, you can't yeah. make. <laughs> make
2: yeah. This defensive line. This
3: defensive line. You know, square your
2: square your feet.
3: Play your assignment, guys. You know, play for your brother because there was a lot of. Uh, le- it was a lot of guys. They talked about it last year. You know, earning the earning the opportunity to to rush the passer, and to and so I I really did think that a lot of guys were getting upfield. They were really. I mean, even the nose tackles, even like the DTS, were just so fast off the ball. Just looking for them to be a little bit more patient and. Um, and yeah, and uh, yes, we we, ma'am. we had Oso Diggy Zoo on
4: last night yeah. on the Cowboys Hour or the Miller Light Cowboys Hour. And you know he was he was straight up with he what, was honest. Have, yeah, 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 absolutely. but, and we were, you know, we shared some of the things that because it was right after Dan Quinn's um post uh, press conference, Monday afternoon press conference. And so a lot of the things that he told the media are basically the same things that he's, you know the the players they all know, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Osa said basically the same things. Hey, we're going to grow from this. We make the corrections, and you can't get too high or too low. You know, a lot of them are just kind of the same maxims and truisms that you hear <laughs> week to week. But, but no, I mean, they, you're right. They take They're it to aware. heart. It, it's personal. <laughs> you know. It's personal Cause they for these love, guys yeah. when they, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Because they love them some Dan Quinn. They play for him. Yep. And to hear and him for say. for each other. Yes, yep. ma'am. And for them to say. To know he was that disappointed in their performance, I think it makes a huge difference. I and that's why go ahead. I
2: also think though he wasn't just disappointed in their performance; he was disappointed in his performance as a coach as well. Tracking because he also took accountability for his part in in the loss. So Mm -hmm. that's another thing that I appreciate about Dan Quinn is he's not sitting there saying it was all your fault, Osa. It was all your fault, Dono. He's not pointing fingers. He's not throwing anybody under the bus. He first thing he said was. I take accountability for what I did wrong as a coach and setting my guys up to not be, you know, prepared enough. And and that went across the board yesterday. If anything, bless You're you. us all right. I'm Real. Sorry, okay. Y'all.
3: I <laughs> I tried to get to the boat, in Pazzy. I'm sorry. No,
2: it's okay. Um if anything that you can take away from yesterday's coordinator and um Coordinator press conferences, and then Mike McCarthy is—they all took accountability. There was yeah. not one that didn't take accountability for
4: it. Yeah, and I, I love—I love what John Fossil <laughs> what said. Uh, John Fossil, the special teams coordinator. You scared me with that one. <laughs> who, who, who put the little uh, Yorkie in the? In
2: the Y'all, the table? come on,
4: man. Come so, on. <laughs> so, in regards to the 62-yard field goal that Matt Prater hit, at which I—I mean, Insane. When you have to kick the ball that far, it's going to be a very low wow. trajectory i can tell you i've in 25 years on the sideline i've never seen one that low it looked i, like, it, I don't think it ever got like 18 to 20 feet uh, off the ground seriously yeah. the the crossbar is 10 feet up mm-hmm. all right and that ball was barely it, it, it didn't have much art uh, art to it right yeah. it was it was pretty much a line drive but here's the thing when field goal kickers have to do longer attempts then it has to be more line drive. They have to get more strength behind it. It's not going to be some high arcing kick. Well, that's when that's when it's ripe for blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So get your hands up. And so one of the things that John Fossil said was he wished that he had done a different call on that. He says, I, I could have made a call where I had one more hand mm-hmm. up there and I wish I had I had made that call. Now, w- would it have... Have resulted in a block. We'll we'll never know. But um, I love that Bones speaks to the media. You know we that we yeah. get to hear special teams as well as offense and defense. And he's the most honest. You know, oh, yeah. free flowing guy out there. He's so much fun to to listen to. But when you talk about accountability, it's like, man, I wish I just I wish I had that callback of what
3: what if I would have done this. Yeah, and now that everyone has taken accountability
4: yeah apply it let's see apply you adjust i okay. see
3: you adjust i mean yep. I, I i thoroughly enjoyed you know hearing them own up to some of the mistakes it's it's always rewarding for someone like me especially that because i'm still learning to to go in there and be able to speak to them and they reassure me in a way that what i'm seeing on film is mm-hmm. correct it's, i think that's it's one of the most valuable things i i get from this and um i i'm like okay Okay, boss, like you, you told me that this is something that you want to work on and that is fixed, and that's the good thing, like we talked about though is a lot of a lot of the, the things that we saw rear their head this week are fixable things. Yeah. They are things that can be corrected. They're not guys just getting it, your guys are not just getting beat out there, and so we'll definitely get to see you know how this defense adjusts and then how this offense um, adjusts as well and even special teams. (laughs) I I got something to share with the
4: the – viewers yeah, and listeners that. who if if you love if you love to learn about football and break things down Bill Belichick obviously the Patriots come into town and Bill is notorious for not giving anything to media that would be just be the worst <laughs> to have to cover no, that team but he, he does he does Swift. do a, he he's he, he supports does. I, I won't I won't I won't say who was at AT&T stadium back in the spring to see Taylor Swift Mm-mm. Oh. yeah wow. mm-hmm. so I didn't say that.
2: He was also oh, see, he saw multiple shows. He's a, he's a Swifty. So he's a so Swiftie. here's the thing. But
4: one thing that he does do, and if, you, if you're if you a football junkie, you'll enjoy this. And even if you're not a junkie, but you just want to learn a little bit, on the New England Patriots site, you go to video, multimedia, just like when you go to DallasCowboys.com, but it's called Belichick Breakdown. And so his coaches show that he does each week. It's him and a, a host, and it's Bill at a teleprompter. And they'll be—I'm sorry—not a teleprompter, a telestrator, (laughs) and uh, he—he'll do about five or six plays from the previous game. So Belichick breakdown—you'll find it on the video. I've already watched the one from their win over the Jets, 15 to 10. They—they're one and two now on the season, but it's really—it's really cool. And he doesn't go into a lot of coach speak. But here's one of the greatest football yeah. coaches of all time and he's breaking down plays and so oh, it, you never Definitely know when you can pick that. up a, a little, little
2: nugget. nugget. Yeah. Thanks, well, I love that. Thank you, Christy, for that. Uh you know what? We are officially turning the page here on yes, Girls Talk Boys yes, Talk. The Cardinals. <laughs> who who are they? We don't know. Um <laughs> Oh, the ones with
4: the win over the Cowboys? No, we don't know them. (laughs) The ones that we want to beat the 49ers this weekend.
2: That's how we know them, and that's it. That's the only affiliation we have with them uh, from here on out until the next time they have to play them. Other than that, we're going to turn the page here on the podcast starting tomorrow. We're going to talk about all things Cowboys Patriots Week 4. Mm. Talking about a little bit of a homecoming for two guys that you may or may not remember. Uh, will Greer and Ezekiel Elliott. We're going to talk about some nuggets we got from the coordinators and coaches from that. We will give you the latest injury report and practice report. You know the drill. Wednesday yeah. Girls Talk, Boys Talk. We got you covered. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, ladies, for talking ball with us every day. Love doing it. Thank you guys again. Go have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Have a fantastic, amazing, incredible day. Goodbye.
1: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
2: about this, Cowboys?